pero fuerte. Uh, this is the smooth sounds of my voice. Mr. Give Your Girl Back. Complete hype, no silence, you already know. Whatever you guys do, don't expect any like loud Veronica outburst. Baby R, R baby. In living Spanglish. Welcome, 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 everybody. In living Spanglish, ILS. Back in the building, you already know what it is. Mexican Natsu, Ricardo Mexicano, Mr. Give Your Girl Back, all the aliases, all the above. You already know how I'm rocking. And surprisingly, it is just me this time around. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you're watching the video, as of now, you can see that there is nobody else around me except the uh, the cats in their respective location. You got Frankie over here by the window. And we actually got a new cat that just got here uh, last week, a little kitty. Uh, currently in my room, so you might hear it in the background. It's a little agitated, you know, wants to get out, but trying to record, it'd be kind of hard to do that with the cat running around. So currently, it's a kind of she stowed away, all right, but she's safe, and uh, you know, there's nothing to worry about. You know, she's like I said, she's just a little agitated, but <laughs> Veronica's busy, not here, so you know, definitely she'll, she'll be back next week. We'll get back in full effect when it comes to the, the co hosting, you know, the co duties of being a podcaster and all that, but I'm, I'm gonna hold it down for, for this week for sure. So if you tune into the first episode, you will see that we kind of, kind of took a different approach to thing when it comes to how we're going to go about with like these little food items and the questions and tops and stuff like that. Being that it's just me, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep it a little bit old school and I'm just going to dedicate it to just, you know, the topics that I want to talk about, you know, get, get to get the freestyle a little bit more since it is just me. And being that it is me, uh, I got to kick it off with some hip hop. All right. Uh, one of the biggest talks recently that have happened is that of the new album by the game called uh, Dramatic. If you're not familiar, uh, Game has been hyping up this album for a while now. He finally dropped it last Friday. Um, it's a it's a beast. It's 30 tracks. Um. A lot of features. The songs themselves are pretty long. I uh, don't want to get into too heavy of what the album is in general. I talked a lot about that on my other podcast, uh, Minority Agenda. By the way, if you want to go check that out, shout out my boy Isaiah, shout out Jacob. Uh, we got really crazy and in-depth in the album if you really want to learn more about the contents of the album. Uh, but what I want to talk about on here is more so the the, the standouts of the of the album which most people will probably say the black sim shady now if you don't know what it is if you're not really in hip-hop like that you probably have no idea what i'm talking about as it relates to the song but if you know music in any way you're probably familiar with who slim shady is aka eminem um so in this song the game is essentially in a way dissing eminem and I say essentially because there is a lot of shots taken at him, but at the same time, 
there's a lot of, I guess, critiques, uh, cheap shots, um, and and uh, this great sense of just attention seeking, you know, clout chasing for you know for people uh, much younger nowadays. Uh, that's this is what this song comes off as. It's not terrible by any means. The song itself is actually pretty great. I thoroughly enjoy it. I think the song's really good. I think the flow is insane. I think the beat, the beat switch up by Hit Boy on the first part and then going into the second part is really, really uh, dope stuff. But, and I put this on Twitter a couple days ago, my gripe with the, uh, uh, with the song itself comes in the form of, is this some sort of like commentary, you know, kind of like holding up the mirror to Eminem showing, showing him like, hey... Marshall, you you do this to people all the time, so I can do it to you, and it's like this nice little sparring back and forth. Uh, or is it, you know, the the other thing where this is the attention-seeking, cloud-chasing game that people have labeled him for quite a few years now. Um, the, the game has always been involved in some sort of controversy, some sort of beef throughout his career, uh, but some people say that nowadays he's at at a, at a low point. Um, game uh, that relates to a mainstream aspect hasn't really been relevant for 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 quite some time now. It's a uh, it's been a it's been a minute since people really went crazy for a game album like that. Now, game still put, put still puts out quality material, but with so much change in the musical landscape, most people aren't really checking for for a game album uh, out the gate like that. You know, they're they're listening for the for the Lil Nas X. Uh, young boy, um, you know, make the stallion, uh, Lotto, um, you know, dude from Jacksonville, Florida, Moneybag Yo, uh, all different type, you know, uh, recipes, uh, Jay the Youngin, uh, Youngin Ace, you know, all that type of music, people will rush to before they rush for uh, a game. So, why does game keep doing this? I personally think. It's a mixture of both. I think Game knows that going at one of the biggest artists of all time is gonna stir something up, and and this and this, and this is not like it came out of nowhere. Uh, the game has been kind of building this, this kind of like I'm better than Eminem narrative for quite some time. If you follow hip hop, follow the podcast, uh, hip hop circuits interviews freestyle with a certain radio station game has been doing the rounds and ever so often he'll mention that hey he's better than Eminem he's a better lyricist uh before he didn't believe it in himself you know he would always big up Eminem saying that he's one of the best ever but now it's kind of he's done, kind of done like a 180 to where he maybe doesn't look down at Eminem but definitely consider himself like an equal and an Eminem's caliber. Um, ultimately, you're a rapper. You can feel any way you want. Um, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. Because I'm a game fan. I am. I'll say it all day. I'm a, I'm a game fan. I, I love the game. I love what he does. But at the same time, some of it just comes off really corny. You know, some of it comes off very, very, uh, you know, cloud chasing, for lack of a better word. You know, but the song itself is dope. It's 10 minutes long, too, by the way. 
So the, the album itself is already long, crazy long, which I hate because I've never been a fan of long albums. Uh, I prefer like short, concise, 15 tracks, 12 tracks, 10. Uh, if you can get your point across in, in that amount of tracks, we're good to go. 30 tracks, though, I feel like I'm going on a roller coaster of pain. I, I can't deal with it. So you got this long, quote unquote, this song, which that's debatable. For 10 minutes, going after arguably one one of the best rappers of all time, if not the best rapper of all time in many people's eyes. Not mine personally, but I do I do love him, and uh, he's one of the first rappers I ever listened to growing up as a kid. Um, so I don't know what to make of it. Uh, kind of just sitting around right now, kind of waiting to see what what pops up. The game I start start doing more interviews. Um kind of explaining his uh, reasoning. But at the same time, we ultimately know that he wants a reaction from M. And I think everybody's kind of like on the edge of their seat to see if M will respond. Now, I have personally thought that the best way to go about this is for, if you're Eminem, how can you approach this? Because there are a lot of things he said on that song that's kind of hard to counter. You know, I'm not going to break it down, but there are things that go at certain, um, there's a lot of cheap shots, like like I said before. You know, things that go at a race, things that on the surface aren't true in the slightest. When it comes to Eminem as a person and his character and him, claiming that he's trying to be something that he isn't, which for the most part, I don't think Eminem, I don't think M does that. I don't think M has ever tried to be something within hip hop that he's not. You know, I don't think he really played into that whole. You know, he they you know you know a culture vulture. You know, I don't. I think Eminem has gotten his uh, his just dudes, gotten his respect. People know how great of an artist he is, and what he's done for hip hop. Uh, of course, people have their gripes. You know, infamously, like Lord Jamar made his comments years ago that he's a, a guest in the house of hip hop. So you you always, you've had this conversation forever, but does it does it does it warrant a response from from M to game? In my opinion, I think the best thing that that M could do is not respond at all. You know, because game lives for that for that response, so you can go back and forth. He loves it. You know, he feeds off of it. So the best thing he could do is just not respond. And if he does, it's going to be kind of hard to kind of go at it. He's going to have to, I think, ultimately attack it from a from a standpoint of you're, you're, an, inten- you're an attention seeker. You clout chase. And I'm about to expose that side of you. That is very apparent, but maybe some people just don't catch it right away. And I think that's how M is going to be able to really, I don't know, drive a stake in him. If he really wants to go that route of like proving that he is one of the best to ever do and that he could come at him and respond to a 10 minute diss track. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, the game is uh, the, not the game, but the album itself is great. Like I said, very long, 30, 30 tracks, twenty nine actually, because some of the some of the tracks were taken off a uh, streaming platform due to 
at this moment, unknown reasons. Not sure. In particular, the NBA Youngboy uh, track that he's featured on uh, has been removed. So, you know, hopefully we'll find out what's going on with, uh, you know, sample clearances, record label, meddling, all sorts of things. But, you know, go check it out if you haven't. If you're a game fan, if not, you probably aren't missing much. But I don't know if you want to check out the controversy and the little back and forth that's going on. Definitely check out the Black Slim Shady and, you know, you know, uh, maybe give your two cents on what you think of uh, what's going on at hand. Nextly. All right. So, you know, we're moving along. We're chugging along. That was topic one. Topic two. So when it comes to the music thing, when it comes to hip hop, uh, a close associated cousin of hip hop, you know, maybe, maybe even brother is R&B. Now, for those who don't know, I'm a big, big R&B fan. Always have been. Let me set this LaCroix. Big, big R&B fan. Now, I've probably been listening to R&B my whole life. Dang near. Like, thinking about from when I was like maybe six or seven, you know, hearing like Say My Name for the first time. It's, um... Some of my fondest memories, you know, just hearing those sounds, hearing those melodies, hearing the arrangement of these songs was captivating at the time. It still captivate, captivates me to this day. I saw recently an article that talks about, is R&B dead? You know, in the first time I've ever seen it, uh, this, this topic of discussion has come up many times in the past. You know, is R&B not what it used to be? Is it stale? You know, are there any good artists left? Uh, the, the article that I have in mind in particular is a discussion between Diddy and the uh, famed producer Timberland. You know, Timberland responsible for uh, Aaliyah, of course, uh, Genuine, uh, tra- tracks with Jay-Z, Kanye, you name it. Uh, Nelly Furtado, like, you know, Timberland is, you know, if you don't know who Timberland is, you, you live under a rock, you just don't listen to hip-hop or R&B. Um, and of course, Diddy, you know, I don't, I don't think I need to explain, you know, Diddy and Bad Boy and, you know, his legacy and his Im- impact on, uh, on the game and music and all that. But they were having a discussion, uh, claiming, well, Diddy was the one claiming that R&B is, uh, is dead, that there's no more great R&B out here. And he immediately, this is what I don't like. He immediately went to saying that those who are great have to use auto-tune, right? Which I know is an easy, easy way for people to just automatically write somebody off. That because they use auto-tune, they're not a real singer. That because they're using this effect on their voice, um, they can't hold a note. That they can't make great songs. And I, for one, don't like it. I, for one, think that people try to hold these certain effects, these certain ways of producing music and claim that the people using it use it as a crutch because they're not talented people they're not talented artists and at the end of the day to me like i said it's very cheap it's very it's too easy you said about anybody you know people said about t-pain for years that because he used auto-tune um his music was subpar that he he couldn't really sing that without the auto-tune he's nothing you know it went. It, it got so crazy that 
Jay-Z on Blueprint 3, you know, made, made that the bottle tune. Kind of claiming that, hey, this is his response to the whole auto-tune wave. Uh, but, you know, fast four years later, and auto-tune hasn't gone anywhere, you know. People, some people could say that it, it blew up and got even more popular, you know. And it then turned out that T-Pain could actually sing. You know, it wasn't just the effect on his, on his vocal. You know, the man could, can hold a note. He is, he has range. You know, he can go there with his voice. On the other hand, though, you have Timbaland, who's actually defending arm, the current state of R&B and saying that it's still very much alive and relevant. That you have great artists still out here. You know, you have your Steve Lacey's, your Lucky Day, your Frank Ocean, your, your Miguel, your Weekends. You know, even though he's, he's transitioned more into a poppy, poppier sound, but still, I would say R&B nonetheless, unless you want to keep it like that contemporary R&B sound. You know, the the her the snow Algiers, um, but Mary J. Bly also commented something very similarly that R&B now is is very poppy in a sense, and people can say the same thing about hip hop. Not even say it. I mean, it's it, it's a fact. You know, whether we like it or not, hip hop is popular music, and a lot of the sounds used in popular music is very hip hop based. Uh, same thing could be said about R&B then, you know, that R&B sound is universal in a way, you know, it's transitioned so much from a, a 3LW in the early 2000s to, to K-pop, you know, and, you know, I said it today, I said it today at work, you know, you know, K-pop, and, and you know, I'm not the first one to say this, but you know, K-pop is essentially just repackaged R&B song from the late 90s. You know, and some people also say, like, you know, boy bands as well. You know, take that take that boy band sound, that Max Martin sound from, like, 97 to 99. And you have the, the modern K-pop sound. Um, which is, you know, in turn, popular music. It's, uh, it's a discussion that I like to go back and forth with because I think people just love discrediting what is... People love discrediting what they don't understand, ultimately. That what is out here nowadays does not resonate with them, therefore it's bad. Now, you can like what you like all day. If you want to listen to Switch, Frankie Beverly and Maze, Earth, Wind and Fire, that what you consider soul R&B, you know, then so be it. You don't have to listen to things from the 80s. Maybe you just love stuff from the 70s. But on the other hand, you have people who just love stuff from the 80s, you know? You know, maybe they love uh, Luther Vandross. Um, who else? Stacy Lattisaw. Um, you know, the, the list goes on and on when it comes to, like, just what people consider, I guess, true R&B. But why are we so quick to write off people who have made a huge contribution nowadays? You know, when we dig up people like Jeremiah, um, and this is like a random name, we, we tend to think that, hey, Jeremiah is not a capable singer a lot of times. You know, he doesn't make good songs. You know, especially that versus with Omarion and Ray J. Uh, Jeremiah was there, and I think he was having uh, some technical difficulties with the with his mic or the sound guy or something uh, that happened that night. And he wasn't sound the best, you know? 
things happened, but we know Jeremiah had hits. We know he's a successful songwriter that has written for many, many people. You know, he's been a feature on many, many songs. Uh, so, definitely tan- talented. Um, I think R&B is in a space where it can be more than just this this mood, you know? In that, in that, in that a back and forth between Timberland and Diddy. Uh, Diddy was saying that, you know, R&B is all about a feeling and a mood. Which I think it very much is, but I think it can be more than that. It doesn't have to just restrict itself to just love, love music. You know, he uh, he was talking about R and B the way he knew it, and the way he produced it when it came to the to the to the Bad Boy records on in the nineties. That you know, it should make you feel a certain way. You know, it should it, it should arouse a man and a woman in a certain way. Which yeah. There's a time and place for that, but R&B could serve a much greater purpose. You know, it's rhythm and blues at the end of the day. You know, it, it's not. It doesn't always have to be this this sexy baby making music. You know, it, it could be so much more about um, the complexities of love, intimacy. You know, of course, heartbreak is a big uh, commodity when it comes to uh, R&B music. So, I very much don't think R&B is dead. You know, it's gone through so many phases in its uh in its lifespan. It's still relatively new when you when you think of that new R and B sounds. We're thinking about something that came about in like what eighty eight, eighty nine. You know, R and B is what thirty thirty something years old. You know, still very young. Uh, it, it still has a lot time a lot of time to grow. Uh, so, you know, I think, you know, just people need to just, just eat off, man. I know people are very, uh, they, they, they hang on to what they love and it's so easy to just write off anything else. You know, you love your Aaliyahs, you know, which I do too. Shaw days. I love it all. Your Jodeci's, Jagged Edges, um, Drew Hills, you know, I'm, I'm just naming off groups now, but you know, SWV, uh, Brian McKnight, there's these legendary acts and artists that stick with us but there's also because we live in the in the present because you live in a now you don't think about the impact that current artists are making and what they will leave behind as as part of their legacy that's where that's where we get it twisted you know there are people out here who are definitely make sure that these artists nowadays are getting their shine you know people are showing up people are are showing up to these shows people are streaming the music so R&B is definitely not dead. Maybe not be the R&B that you remember, but it's definitely not dead. So, you know, I would always say just give things a chance. You know, you, you may like it. And if you don't, then that's cool. You know, that's how, you, that's how you're rocking. Nothing wrong with that. Okay, so talked about the hip-hop with, with Game's album. Talked about my opinion with this whole R&B being dead, dead thing, which I vehemently disagree with. To end this... To end the show, you know, I got to get, you know, it's called Inland Spain, so I got to get a Hispanic topic in. I wasn't w- I just going to blabber on about music uh, during this whole recording. Hmm, can't do that. So, <clears throat> get this right quick again. So, 
So I saw a video uh, yesterday on YouTube, and that consisted of you know, you know it was interesting. It was a it was a Vice video. You know, I think people are very uh have mixed reaction when it comes to Vice, but you know, I enjoyed it for the most part. Um, it talked about people who were against immigration, you know, particularly from Latin America, which is you know common in the United States, and this white supremacist idea of uh, the great replacement theory. You know, for for those who may not be familiar with the term, like I said, it's a white supremacist idea. So it's rooted in racism. The great replacement theory essentially says that white people who are the majority of the United States feel like there's some grand scheme by some, by some world elites to allow these vast number of different cultures, immigrants from Latin America, the Middle East, uh, Asia, East Asia, from wherever to come to the United States in order to make white people the minority and in a sense replace the greater society. You know, obviously when you hear it, it's it's crazy off the back, you know, white people have been, been, been the majority forever in the United States and it shows no signs of, of us slowing down. And then, you know, they, they use these, these crazy terms, like within the name itself, like replacement, like, like nobody's replacing you like nobody's killing you off. You know, they use these fear tactics, you know, these fear mongering type of words to instill uh, somebody that may be gullible enough to believe this, this type of, uh, propaganda you know this racist propaganda that somehow they're they're being like killed off in a way that they're being like shunned away to like an island or like thrown in a lake in the middle of minnesota i don't know you know what have you so a crazy concept that that a lot of people believe in and when i was watching this this documentary yesterday it focused on particularly hispanics uh in el paso you know, El Paso being a predominantly Hispanic city. So people within like the local city council, mayors, things like that are Hispanic. And because of the rise of like this, this alt-right of these extremists within the United States, a lot of people have gone on board with believing in certain rhetoric and certain uh ways of thinking. You know, even... Even people that you think would be for, maybe not for, but maybe lenient toward the understanding of why people moved to the United States in the first place. Why they cross over here illegally, you know? So, it struck me because a Hispanic being conservative is not anything crazy, you know? We know they exist, right? I think a lot of us would like to believe that they don't, but they're out here. They really are. Um, the I don't know how many I don't associate with a lot of them because you know our our ideals don't really add up. And if I do any of the, if I do know any of them, they, they we don't normally speak on topics like that. So definitely out here, and I think a lot of time we we care not to admit that they're out here, that we that we paint this 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 monolith that all Hispanics are 
fairly liberal Democrats, whatever you want to say it, which is not the case. Uh, there's definitely people out here who are conservative and, you know, well people, of course, uh, you know, I would, I would imagine. But you also have those that, while they may come off talking, that they have like the best interest at heart when it comes to their community, what they believe in, what they stand for. I think a lot of times because of how certain narratives and certain rhetoric has influenced them, they are unknowingly participating in very dangerous ideology. You know, turning your back on your on your people in a sense without realizing the harm that you're really doing by calling people invaders, by calling a people group all murderers, you know, rapists and all that. It, uh, I think, like I said, I think they believe that what they're doing is right and what they're thinking is, is logical. That if this white man next to me is being replaced, then what's stopping me from being replaced? That the, if the, if the greater society could be replaced or wiped out, you know, by invading immigrants, what, you know, what's stopping them from doing the same to me? So it creates this crazy, irrational way of thinking that infiltrates the minds of people who come from a lineage of a lot of times, you know, the very same situation that people, that these people were caught in when it comes to immigration, when it comes to seeking asylum in the United States, the believing that because they're here illegally, they have these bad intentions because they're not seeking the correct way of doing things legally, which, you know, it's not true. People do seek uh, the legal way of doing things to get citizenship, to get residency in the United States. It just takes longer. So when things take longer, you're not going to be as patient when, you know, when you're, when you're staring down the barrel of a gun, you know, when it comes to feeding your children, taking care of your wife, um, your significant other, you know, what have you. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe you don't have five to six years up to 10 years to wait until you receive some sort of green card. You know, people, these are people, you know, risking their lives to get over here. And once they're over here, you know, they kind of lay low. You know, you, 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 don't want, you won't hear from them, but they're out here. But no, you have these, these people, these brown Latinx people out here really claiming that their way of thinking is a force for good because they're thinking about their community. They're thinking about their their own and what's near and dear to them when in their heart of hearts, what they truly believe in is a society in a world that's ran by corrupt white people. You know? You know, this, this continual cycle of white domination and them trying to mask it under the guise that they're just protecting their community. So, it's, you know, it's one thing to maybe not like that somebody is doing something illegal, which then makes them a, a criminal. But it's another to, to have that same mentality, but also it be tied to some greater force that may not always be beneficial for the people that you supposedly don't like because they're criminals, you know? Uh, very hypocritical, like I said, very irrational, 
uh, and you know, I, I you know, go check it out for yourself. It's uh, it's on YouTube. It's it's called something like Hispanic conservatives, immigrants, something like that. You type in all these keywords, the buzzwords, it'll, it'll come up. Like I said, it was a Vice video, so definitely check it out when you have a chance. About like 38, 40 minutes long, something like that. So, got through the hip hop, R and B, random YouTube videos about you know immigrants and you know these racist ass Hispanic conservatives. Um, and lastly, of course, I gotta end it off with uh, was good looking out, glow. All right, so. This is, a, this is the part of the show where I give out my recommendations of movies, music, art, all that fun stuff of you know what what I've been what I've been checking out recently. So for this week, I have gotten into the into the show, which can be found on Hulu. Excuse me, called Under the Banner of Heaven. Now, this. This this show stars Andrew Garfield as a detective Jeb. Um, he is trying to solve a double murder case involving. Don't want to give away too much because even identifying like who the characters are could, could kind of spoil it in a way if details like that are very important to you. So I'm not going to say who the characters are in particular. It's just it's a double murder. Um, this is, takes place in Utah and at the heart of it is this crazy, extreme, um, Mormon cult, essentially. It's, uh, it's about the extreme side of Mormonism and a lot of the, the wrongdoing, the evil that kind of comes out of it. Uh, if you know Mormonism... If you've ever even looked into it, uh, their practice and belief tends to get criticized a lot and tends to get made fun of uh, just for the thing they just they just believe in. You know, I think that the same can be say about a lot of other religions, but Mormon seems to, to take a lot of it over the years. Um, but this show brings to light um, a... A practice that you know to still today is kind of argue even within Mormonism if, if it was ever um, real in the first place and that 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 practice is called blood atonement now blood atonement within Mormonism basically said that you have the right to kill another being you know spill that being's blood because of some sort of like divine power you know a divine revelation coming upon you that allows you to kill for the greater good of your God and that it is justified in your God's eyes to, to spill blood through blood atonement. Insane, you know, right? Crazy that you would use your God as a scapegoat, essentially to say that, yeah, if I want to kill somebody, I can because my God says that through spilling their blood, it's it, it basically a, a sacrifice in in their eyes. That, and this is the way they kind of phrase it in the show, that some sins are so, so heinous 
that the only way the sinner can be cleansed of their sin is to have their blood spilled as some sort of like sacrifice to God. Because within Mormonism, they believe that all can be saved. Because if, if I remember in, in Mormonism, there's not really a, a concept of hell, you know. I think the worst part of Mormonism is like the lowest part of heaven, essentially. That as long as you accept uh, Heavenly Father, which is what they refer to as God, uh, you're, you're pretty much a shoo-in, you know, to make it to the celestial kingdom. But, uh, and, and if, if it takes them killing you and spilling your blood and doing all sorts of crazy things to make sure you get into the celestial kingdom, then so be it. You know, because this, this sort of, uh, uh, murder and, and craziness that goes in the show is happening to their own people. It's not like these Mormons are just killing random folks. Like, no, they're killing other Mormons as well. So the show is great. If you like true crime, if you like detective work, type shows entertainment definitely watch it uh watch it as soon as you get the chance under the banner of heaven starring andrew garfield you know who was in uh the social network uh he was spider-man of course uh he was in that new uh movie where he played the the person who created rent that broadway show i can't remember the name of the of the movie i feel bad now because i can't remember but andrew garfield the great actor it's been a lot of things, so definitely check it out if you enjoy that type of material. All right, so that brings me to the end of the show. You know, it was a great time. I uh, had a lot of fun talking about all these these topics that I thoroughly enjoy. Uh, not the same when you don't have a, a co-host, but like I said, Veronica, uh, we'll, we'll see you here next week. You know, we'll definitely turn up then um, when we uh, set to record another show. So... I've been uh, Ricardo Mexicano, Mexicanatsu. This has been In Limit Spanglish, ILS. Make sure to keep up with all our socials. And we are out. Appreciate y'all.